All right, so here's the father, and he's trying to get the child to do what the child's supposed to do, and the child is resisting. The child is just pretty stubbornly resisting. And the father says, I'm bigger than you, I'm meaner than you, I'm more stubborn than you, and you will do what I'm telling you to do. Can you imagine a scenario like that? I got to tell you, that is not a make-believe situation. I am the father in that story I just told. And the child to whom I was speaking actually attends here at College View. No names will be mentioned. I'll let you draw your own conclusions about that. But I remember specifically saying, I'm bigger than you. I'm meaner than you. I'm more stubborn than you. You will do what I'm telling you to do. Well, think about that for a minute. Uh, Now, I want to draw the parallel to God. And God is far more kind, loving, patient, and long-suffering than me or any other parent for that matter. We have a great, gracious, good, loving, patient, kind God. But when men stubbornly refuse to obey His will they need to realize that they will ultimately submit and yield to God. It's not exactly parallel to the situation that I was describing about myself, but it is similar in the sense that if you just stubbornly resist God, the fact of the matter is, when all is said and done, you will yield to the will of God. You, God's will will be done. And so our lesson this morning is designed to just sort of emphasize that point. People who think they don't have to do what God says, oh yes, you do. You will ultimately yield to God. And so we're going to just try to build a short lesson uh, along that line uh, as we study together from the scriptures this morning. Thanks for being here. Uh, as was already mentioned, we've got a number of folks out with sickness this morning, but we do have visitors, and so we're grateful for that. We're glad that we have this chance to come together on the Lord's Day to worship Him. When you get up on Sunday morning, do you ever stop in prayer to simply thank God that it's Sunday, it's the Lord's Day, and that we get to come together? I hope we have that mindset. We get to. It's a privilege. We, we look forward to coming together rather than just sort of, oh, it's Sunday, we've got to go to church. I hope you don't feel that way. If you feel that way, that needs to be corrected. We need to wake up on Sunday morning and be grateful for the privilege, the opportunity, and the blessing of being able to come together. I think you feel that way, and, and that's the way we should feel. We're glad to be able to be together this morning. We're glad you're here to be a part of it. So what about this idea that when all is said and done, God's will will be done? What about that? I want to suggest maybe some mindsets that some people have. For instance, someone says, I, I'm not worried about dying. Uh, I'm young and I'm healthy. And so all that talk about dying, death and dying, I, I, that's just not, that's, I'm not into that. That's not important to me. I don't care about that. I'm, I'm young, I'm healthy. Uh, dying is not even a consideration. You know, death seems, I think for all of us, even those of us who are older, death seems sort of distant and unreal. That's especially true of young people. Death seems so, you know, not even on the radar screen. You know, we can even attend funerals, and we do from time to time, but it's always others who are there. It's others who die, uh, and we can't actually even 
visualize ourselves being the one in the casket, someone coming to our funeral. But the fact of the matter is, you will die because God has made that a part of living. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, It is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. And so God has made this so. It's a part of God's plan. It's a truth that will not be violated. And ignoring the reality doesn't make it go away. You know? I, I think a lot of people do. They just, they just don't even want to deal with or think about it. Especially when you're young. You don't want to even consider the potential of dying. And so you just put it out of mind. But ignoring the reality doesn't make it go away. And that being the case, we need to be making preparations for the day of our death. And when I say make preparations for death, I don't mean prearranging your funeral. You know, that's become a big deal in, in our time. You know, the, the, the funeral home people want you to come and make all your plans ahead of time. What they especially want you to do is pay ahead of time. I'm not talking about making those kind of preparations for death, although that may not be a bad idea. I'm talking about making preparations in view of our souls make preparation for dying. And so for those who think, I'm not worried about dying, you, know, you will be. It's coming. Someone else says, I live for the moment. I live for the here and now. Actually, I don't even think there is anything beyond the grave. All this talk of an afterlife, a life beyond death, I don't see that. I don't get that. I don't really believe in it. There's nothing after death. Uh, you know, you die, you're dead. It's all over. We're never going to come back from the grave. That just, I, just don't, I just don't think that's so. Well, you will. If you, don't believe, if you don't believe that man has an eternal soul that endures beyond the death of the physical body, if you don't believe that there's going to be ultimately a resurrection of the dead, you're going to find out better. You will come to know that. In the text that Britt read for us earlier from John chapter 5, verse 28, Jesus said, The hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. Jesus said that. Jesus is no liar. That is going to happen. You may not believe in it or maybe even understand it. You might even wish that it weren't so. Maybe you would wish... I just like to die and to be all over. I'll live for this moment. I'll gratify myself in any way that I potentially can. And then I'm going to die and it's all going to be over. That's not going to happen. There is going to be a resurrection of the dead, of all the dead. But there's no comfort in the thought of a resurrection for those who are wicked and disobedient. But you are going to be resurrected. Jesus said so. The final resurrection is as sure as dying itself. A minute ago we were talking about the reality of death. Just as sure as the reality of death is the reality of the resurrection. You will come back from the grave. There will be a judgment. Someone says, well I just don't believe that stuff. In fact, I don't believe anything that you say about God and about the Bible. You... You tell me that there is this God, this supreme being, and he supposedly created everything that exists. And then you want to go further and tell me that he has spoken to us in the Bible. I just don't buy that. I, I, I'm just never going to believe all that stuff about God in the Bible. Well, some people are that way for sure. And sadly, it seems like their numbers 
are increasing. You know, we, all the surveys indicate that the numbers of atheists, the percentage numbers of atheists and agnostics in our own immediate culture and society are really increasing dramatically. People who refuse to believe in God and the Bible. You know, back years ago, and I was just, I was just a young boy at the time, but when men first landed on the moon, I, well, I wasn't really a boy, I was a teenager. When men landed on the moon, I can remember my grandmother saying it never happened. It did not happen. She would not believe that men landed on the moon. She had this idea that they had the, the government had staged all that stuff out in the deserts of the southwest someplace. You know, they made the place look sort of like a moonscape, and they put all the props out there, and and they filmed that, and they put it out on TV for people to see. But it never really happened. Men never landed on the moon. In fact, I remember her saying very explicitly, if God wanted men on the moon, he would have put them there. That's what she said. She, she just adamantly refused to believe that men had landed on the moon, despite the evidence that they clearly had landed on the moon. And so she denied in spite of the evidence. We were pretty amused by that. We thought that was pretty funny at the time. People do the same thing, though, about God and the Bible. They deny the truth of it in spite of all kinds of evidence that there really is a God. And all kinds of evidence that the Bible really is His inspired Word. They continue to deny it. They refuse to believe it. I'll tell you, that's not amusing. We were amused at my grandmother, but we're not amused at these people. This is not funny. This is very serious. I want to tell you something. Those people who deny God, deny that the Bible is His inspired Word, they're going to come to believe. They're going to come to that realization. In Romans chapter 14, beginning verse 11, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give account of himself to God. Every tongue shall confess to God. There won't be any unbelievers uh, in, in that final day. Sadly, of course, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to God. But sadly, the confession made at that point will be too late. They'll come to believe in God in the Bible, but it will be too late. Someone else says, I don't think that anyone will know about what I do or don't do. And this is really a statement in denial of accountability and judgment. And so the kind of people we're describing here, they don't think that there's any going to be any time when they'll have to give an answer, when they'll be held accountable, and when judgment will be rendered. You know, the atheist thinks this way. If we were just to reiterate the previous points, the atheist just thinks when he dies, of course, death is way off and probably not even a consideration right now. But when I do die, I'll just be dead and it'll be all over. And there, there certainly won't be a resurrection. And, and, and I don't believe there's a God anyway. And that being the case, the atheist is going to furthermore say, there won't be any time when my deeds will be revealed and made known. And so the atheist would think that way. But I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of other people who might say they believe in God, but they do not think that there's going to be any accountability or judgment. So what my point here is, it would, it would, it would logically follow that the atheist doesn't think there's going to be any judgment, because he doesn't believe in God anyway. 
But for the people who say they do believe in God, but then ignore the reality of judgment, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? But there are plenty of people who do that. The fact of the matter is, the day is coming when all will be made known. Everything will be revealed. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, the Hebrew writer says, No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him with whom we must give account. We will give account. And so, for those people, they need to understand, you can resist now, you can stubbornly resist now, you can refuse to accept these truths, but there's a time coming when you will. Oh yes, you will. But I want to draw a line there because I want, I want to talk about some other people. The, 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 the people we've been describing thus far pretty much are people who just don't believe anything religiously. They don't believe anything about God. They just, they just, they're just out there, right? But we're not that way. We're not that way. But I want to suggest to you that there are some religiously inclined people who also are stubbornly rejecting realities because there are some religious people who have the opinion, I'm not going to let anyone tell me what to do. And so here's another subgroup of deniers. Uh, Again, people who might be nominally religious uh, and, and you might see them going to church on Sundays from time to time. But the fact of the matter is that they also are not submissive. And they have this view, I'm not going to be told what to do. I'm determined to have it my way. I will do what I want to do and I will do what pleases me. Uh, uh, I want to tell you something. That mindset won't work with God. That certainly is not going to get the job done for someone to have that attitude. Because you know what that really describes? The person who says, I'm not going to be told what to do. It's really a pride problem, right? In 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning verse 5, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. If you boil it all down, the people say, I'm not, don't be telling me, I'll do what I want. When it, comes, when it comes to religion, I'll do as I please. Don't tell me what to do. Again, when you boil that all down, what we have there is a real pride problem. When people, even religious people, sort of bow up and say, uh, I'll have it my own way, they need to know that this won't work. God will prevail. His way is the only way. And we need to be humble enough to accept His way and do God's things God's way. And so for those people who have that attitude, and maybe, maybe let's just let's maybe build on that just a little that would go hand in hand with this notion. I will never believe that a person will be lost just because he doesn't do exactly what the Bible says. You, you said you'll never believe that? Well, you will. And you will find out that it's so. This is, again, as we said, sort of an expansion of the previous point. I know that you all know that here at College View, we put a lot of emphasis on Bible authority. And when we talk about Bible authority, we're just simply talking about doing God's things God's way. And so when we do things, we want to be able to go to the Scripture and prove that that's the way it's supposed to be done. We, we make a strong emphasis on book, chapter, and verse kind of justification for our actions. We talk about, thus saith the Lord, reasoning. And that's all, I think, appropriate. But I'll tell you, 
there are plenty of people in the religious world who belittle that approach. Uh, there are so many people who believe that the only thing that really matters is sincerity of heart. If, if you if you are sincere, then that's all that matters. And it doesn't it doesn't matter that you do everything just as the Bible says. In fact, I won't even this this sort of person will say, I don't believe that. I don't believe you have to do just what the Bible says, so long as you have a good, sincere heart. I'll tell you, they're wrong about that, and they're going to find out that they're wrong about that. Do you remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter seven, beginning verse twenty two? On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. We've talked about this verse a lot, so we don't have to, we don't have to dissect it too thoroughly. But you, as we always point out here, these are people who call Jesus Lord. And so we're not talking about atheists here. We're not talking about people who don't believe at all. We're talking about people who call Jesus their Lord. And notice, they go on to describe some of their professed religious deeds. They weren't just calling Jesus Lord. They were even active religiously. They even talked about mighty works done in your name. But what did Jesus... Again, the picture here is of judgment, right? And what did Jesus say would happen in the final judgment with these people who call him Lord and engage in religious activity. He said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Here was the problem right here. They weren't doing what they were supposed to do according to the law that God has given. And so we see there that these people uh, who belittle the idea of you have to do Bible things in Bible ways, you have to have Bible authority for all you do. Those who belittle that notion, they're going to have to, they're going to come to a, a sort of a sad reckoning and realization uh, that they were wrong about that, that it was important to do God's things God's way. All right, so a couple of categories. One is pretty much people who don't believe at all. But even among some religious people, there's going to be this rude awakening. They, they're going to come to see some things that they would not accept before. Let me draw a line and add one more group, and that might include some of us. What about the people who have this doubt in their mind? The, there may be an element of doubt, even for the faithful, devoted servants of God. Uh, yes, the, the people now that I'm describing in this category here, these people, they really are trying. They're striving hard to do the right thing. Uh, they're living every day in humble compliance with the Word of God. But maybe in the back of their mind, there's this sort of nagging doubt and uncertainty. Is it real? Do you mean that I could really go to heaven? And the answer to that is, oh yes, you will if you faithfully serve God. Because God has promised that. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for His name. You know, if God would make these promises and then not fulfill the promises, God would be an unjust God. 
He would be forgiving our work and our labor of love. But God is not unjust. That's not God. God has made the promise that if we'll faithfully and devotedly serve him in this life, that he will reward us in eternity. You know the familiar words of the Apostle Paul as he was nearing his own execution for the cause of Christ. In 2 Timothy 4 verse 8 he says, There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So Paul says, There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Oh, well, yeah, I would expect that for Paul, right? And we're talking about the Apostle Paul here. Of course, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for Paul. I wouldn't doubt that for a minute. Look at all that Paul did. Look at the life he lived. Look at the sacrifices he made. Sure, Paul could anticipate a crown of righteousness. But he says that crown of righteousness is also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul says it's not just for me. Paul Paul had strong confidence in that. But Paul is suggesting that we can have confidence in that too. And so for those of us who might say, really? You, you really mean I could go to heaven? Yes. You will find out that it is true. That there was no reason ever to doubt that because God is a true God who keeps his promises to his people. What about you this morning? How, how are you relating to God? Are, are you like that stubborn child who simply doesn't want to do what they're being told to do? Well, be careful about that because God, although he's extremely loving and kind and gracious and merciful and long-suffering, forbearing and forgiving, God will ultimately have his way and will. His will will be accomplished. So don't, don't doubt that. If you have been resisting God, we urge you to change that and get yourself right with Him. If that means obeying the gospel plan of salvation, then do that. If you understand that plan and your need for obeying it, then we urge you to make that decision. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. If you're a Christian already, but you have stubbornly resisted God and His will in your life, come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.